Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Speedway Show. Given that this is uh, a time of year when many of us are concerned about weight, we are going to continue with our health-related uh, series. And today our topic is how Frank lost the weight. If you have listened to the Seaway Show for some time, you know that an underlying tenet is the concept of relationships. How do we improve our personal, professional, and spiritual relationships? I have been exploring this topic of our relationship with food, and I have done shows on how to gain and lose weight the right way, how I lost the weight, and today we're going to talk to my guest, Frank Pollock, about how he lost the weight. It is said that there are many ways to skin a cat, and when it comes to weight loss, that is certainly true, because there's no one right way to lose weight. I was um, particularly interested in Frank's story because he's a you know normal person like you and I, and uh, many of us like to hear from real people. So you're going to hear Frank's method, which was different from mine, and my hope is that you will be inspired and encouraged to find your own way. Frank, welcome to the Speedway Show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here, Speedway. Let us start with some background. Frank, share with us your relationship with food and your weight. Is this something you struggled with all your life, or was it an issue that was isolated to a particular point in time? Well, my relationship with food is one of uh, pure adoration. I love (laughs) to eat. I'm actually a very skilled eater as well. But but in all seriousness, I grew up in deep in the heart of eastern North Carolina, and uh, my family had a couple of grocery stores and convenience stores, and my mother was a wonderful cook, and so I enjoyed uh, every bit of the southern cooking that uh, the area is famous for, pork barbecue, fried shrimp, uh, and other seafood, hush puppies, sweet tea, uh, nana pudding, which is... uh, Southern for banana pudding, but all those things. And, wow. And uh, you had free access because of uh, the grocery stores. How cool is that? You know, it, it was uh, it was a very cool thing. But, um, you know, my parents were, were also concerned about longer-term health issues because um, my, my dad's family, um, all five of his brothers w- were affected by the um the holy trinity of or the unholy trinity of health uh heart disease high blood pressure and um diabetes Ooh. and so uh at an early age they tried to monitor our dietary habits and instill good dietary habits and i was also uh, very athletic i was a, a basketball player uh, a three sport letterman in high school and i tried to walk on to the basketball team at the university of north carolina so, you know, I didn't really experience any weight problems until a knee injury sidelined my athletic career. And, um, you know, I got back on top of that very quickly. And in my early 20s was um, 
an avid weightlifter, and uh, thanks to, you know, the benefits of being in your early 20s, weight was not really an issue. Um, but as I progressed in my career and, you know, candidly through my own indulgence uh, as being a young adult and um, was also affected by the dietary advice of the time, which was carbohydrates are wonderful and fats are bad, I continued to expand, and I became a very large man by the time that you met me. Well, see, now you and I have been friends for a long time, even though you moved from Minneapolis a few years ago, and I haven't seen you for a while. But I do recall that you are quite a tall man. How tall are you, Frank? I am 6'6 six, six and 3 quarters. Oh, gee whiz. Okay, so we, when you talk about being a large man, <laughs> uh, tell us how much you weighed before you started losing the weight. You know, um, I actually was large enough to cause the room to lean when I walked in. Um, <laughs> Would you describe yourself as obese? You know, because I, I had a, a sizable physical stature, I would never be classified in the sense in the the sense that we refer to obese, um, I was a very muscular guy. But, you know, the reality was for health concerns uh, and for um, lifestyle concerns, yeah, I, I was. Um, okay, so you're not going to tell us how much you weighed? Well, Speedway, Other than I, telling I, us the room lead? <laughs> well, no, I, I guess... You know, when, we're not going to have the ability to compare if you don't tell us how much you actually weighed. Well, Speedway, I... I the, the the challenge in that is the scales that I had uh, topped out at 350, and so <laughs> I was at that scale. So okay. I you know I I you guess are at that. somewhere around 360, maybe a little more than that. Oh wow! Okay, so how much do you weigh now? You know, much closer eh, somewhere. Well, it is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, so that's kind of a tough question. Um, but, you know, I've been between 300 and 305 for the last uh, few years since I've moved back to North Carolina. So essentially you have it permanently shed yourself of about 55, 60 pounds. Yes, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I talked about uh, in a previous show entitled Think Thinner, it was the kickoff of what I called my thinner series, was this idea that thin is not necessarily everybody's goal, right? So if you're a size 20, maybe your goal is to be a size 16. If you're a size 16, maybe your goal is to be a size 10. And so for, for many of us, the the objective, even when I lost weight, my objective was never to be thin. My objective was just to get to a place where I felt comfortable and I liked myself and, you know, stuff fit like I wanted it to. But there isn't really a single weight that I think people should aspire to because everybody's different. So like you say, you know, when you're six six. Um, you can carry a lot more weight than I can at five one and a half. So, <laughs> so and you're a guy, and you're muscular too. So that does make a difference. But are you at this point happy with your weight, or are you still aiming to get lower? 
I am aiming to get lower. I, I use um, a body fat measurement as a determinant of a weight as opposed to a specific number. And mm-hmm. so through my gym, I have access to um, appropriate body fat metrics. And then I have a couple of good friends who are uh, personal trainers, and they've provided me with some more advanced tools or uh, hydrostatic weighing, which it is a fancy way to say that they dunk you underwater and they're able to um, deter- to compute your body fat percentage. And so I'd like to get the, the range for healthy adult males is somewhere between 10 and 15%. That's considered lean. And okay. so I would like to get to that range. And where are you right now? And like I said, it's a Sunday after Thanksgiving, so... You know, probably don't have a good number now, but I would say that, um, you know, I've got another 20 or so pounds to go. Okay. I have found in my weight loss endeavors that often I cannot pinpoint a compact period of time that I can say I lost weight in this amount of time because I had fits and starts and things would go well for a week or two and then I'd regress and then I'd have to start over. What is your experience and can you point to a specific time period in which you steadily lost that weight? I can point to a specific time period, but let me give you a uh, a little more background and, and context for that. Mm-hmm. So over the course of the years as I expanded, I was consistently working to try and, and get my weight back under control. As I mentioned earlier, through my own indulgence, I I do have a love affair with food, but I um I was the the victim of the the public health community's guidance of carbohydrates are the, the healthy thing that you should consume. Mm-hmm. And so actually the opposite for someone of my stature and my body type. Um, I, at one point, was working with a dietitian and was making every possible effort to, uh, as well as, you know, aggressively exercising. So um, I started my own research after a particularly frustrating meeting with her and began to understand um, some of the other opinions in the dietitian's world and the public health world, specifically around, um, you know, how my body should be managed. And what was specific about your body, I have to ask, because I just read this interesting book called um, Eat Right for Your Type, and it talks about what different people should and should not eat based on their blood type with this idea that your blood type is a little bit like matching gas to a car. There are certain kinds of fuel that go well, with a certain kind of car, and so that's how your blood is with food. So when you talk about your body type, what was it that you were focused on with regard to your body type? So there are essentially three main body types, and I think the the technical word is a somatotype. But there's an endomorph, a mesomorph, and an ectomorph. So... Uh, an ectomorph would be somebody like Kevin Durant, who plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, somebody who's very, very tall and extremely lanky. Mm-hmm. Uh, a mesomorph is the naturally muscular athletic type, someone who you could think of as a bodybuilder. And then the naturally thick person, um, I, I happen to be, to be built like probably a left tackle 
um, in the NFL. And so each of, each of those types um, has a different ability to manage uh, carbohydrates. So typically, ectomorphs make great endurance athletes, runners and swimmers, so they can eat tons and tons of starch. Um, mesomorphs can not eat as much, but they naturally put on muscle and cut up very easily. And then guys like me, we should only uh, eat uh, the wholest of grains, uh, heavy on lentils, and uh, tons and tons of vegetables, as well as lean protein. So, so you're an I, endomorph? Do I did I get that? Yeah. Yes, okay. I'm an endomorph. Interesting. So uh, essentially, the the notion that it, and I'm not here advocating you know Atkins or South Beach or any of those types of diets, but the 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 point I'm making is that you know there's a scale of refined carbohydrates like potato chips and sodas all the way to, you know, high-fiber beans and lentils, quinoa, uh, black rice, those types of carbohydrates, that's the end that I should be on. And so oh, interesting. once I, you know, really embraced that, and, and, and that's part of the latter stages of some popular diets, um, but, you know, once I embraced that, uh, then the weight came off my body. This initial stage uh, of weight loss came very quickly over a period of probably six or seven months. And that was, you know, 40 or so of the pounds as my body readjusted to that. And so I still trained very aggressively um, while while experiencing the weight loss. And, you know, um, I didn't have any, you know, energy fall off, felt great, and so, you know, I continued to pursue that. So now, um, you know, eventually I hit a, a plateau, and so there was some maintenance with that. And your body, you know, eventually will say, this is where you need to be for a while, and then I'm in the next stage of that, which is breaking that plateau and continuing to move towards my goal. So it's not just eating less, it's what you ate. I because it sounds like less. if you even if you ate less, and I'm guessing this was this must have been part of the initial frustration, was that even when you ate less when you were not eating the right kinds of foods, you weren't seeing the results that you should have been seeing given that you were eating less and working out, right? Correct. Hmm. Okay. Well, so are you still is it and it doesn't sound like what you did in terms of what you ate fit into a particular um established diet program right this was just you understanding what you needed to eat for your body to 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 shed the weight that you were trying to get rid of right yes you know a- after further research and some conversations it's somewhat similar to latter stages of something like South Beach or uh, Atkins, but mm-hmm. I was um, I gave myself a great deal more flexibility um, as long as I got results. Now, what are your primary goals at this point? Is it weight loss? Is it strength building? Is it toning? And are there some of those objectives that you feel like, you know, I've managed and I have arrived at this? 
Well, wow, I, I tend to focus more on uh, function and overall health at this stage. You know, in earlier years, um, I was a, a serious weightlifter, and I've trained with a variety of people. Uh, years and years ago, I trained with a world's strongest man contestant. And so um, at this advanced age and stage of my life, I'm not really uh, trying to do that anymore. But, you know, I want to maintain the muscle mass that I have and uh, continue to get down to uh, what I feel is a healthier body fat level and weight, um, and obviously to stave off the uh, the health issues that are rampant in my family. Okay, so you know you walked into this next question. So how old are you, Frank? Uh, I am uh, 43. Oh, really? You're 43? You're a year older than me. I'm 42. It's a good time of you. <laughs> it's a good time <laughs> of life. <laughs> you keep talking about how you're in these latter stages, and when you were younger, I'm thinking, wow, I didn't really think he was that old. <laughs> well, Speedway, it's not just the years, it's the miles. Oh, it's the miles, too, huh? <laughs> yeah, there have been a lot of good times. A lot of good times. Well, okay. I'm glad to hear that. Um, were there any big lessons that you took away from this experience so far with regard to your relationship with food? You know, one of the biggest lessons, and this is one that that um, it, it came to it came to me. Uh, it's it's intuitive now that I think about it, but the way that I learned it, there, was a, there were a few events that came together. Um, when I weight train, and I, I rarely do traditional forms of cardio and that kind of stuff, I, I have a heavy emphasis, emphasis on weight training, it, there's the concept of progressive resistance training. It's very much an incremental uh, improvement. Um, as part of what my... I'm sorry? What is it? Well... Because so the, the way you said it, I, I would it sounded to me like... You start off at a certain weight, and then you progressively increase the weight so that you increase the resistance. Is it is that what it is, or is it something else? Well, it, it, that less that's part of the lesson. But let let me tell you a couple more things that came together, and then I'll I'll get to the lesson. So the second conversation, the second thing was a conversation I had with the director of the Duke Weight Loss Center, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a world-renowned facility for people who are truly in the throes of this struggle, and I happened to meet her uh, socially, and we sat down, and she said that virtually everyone she meets with is very knowledgeable about what they should do, but the knowledge does not let, does not translate into action. And so the third thing, I was listening to a um, a podcast by one of the leading thinkers in this space, uh, a guy named John Berardi, and he has a company called Precision, Precision, uh, Precision Nutrition. And he cited a study that said something like, you know, 60%, only 60% of people who have a prescription for a life-saving medication um, for blood pressure or diabetes follow their treatment regimen to the letter. Hmm. So his that led to the question, if people won't follow that regimen, how can they really follow a diet? Yeah. So all that came, all that kind of struck me as these changes to your diet 
have to really be gradual if you want them to to be long-term. And so um, Dr. Berardi's philosophy is one that I adopted before that I, I heard his, his podcast. But, you know, I will take whatever the the biggest impediment or the, the worst part of my diet is, and I'll make a small change and focus on that for a week. And it's something I'm 100% sure that I can do. So, you know, hypothetically, if someone eats at McDonald's, they get a supersized number one, which is the Big Mac fries and drink. Yes, I know this all. But, you know, so then the goal for them would be to shift from a supersized to a regular meal for five days. And then the next five days would be two of those days we're going to switch it to um, a, a turkey sandwich on whole grain bread with lots of vegetables and a bottle of water from Subway as opposed to going to McDonald's. And so it's a gradual change so that over time you are, in some sense, it's, it's a progressive resistance, but you continue to make those improvements step by step by step. It is an extraordinarily difficult thing to go from I'll eat whatever I want to this monastic lifestyle of exercising twice a day and eating only the healthiest of foods that many people will try and do somewhere around the 1st of January. Yeah. And so it, it has allowed these things to be sustainable for me, and it's given me a consistent and measurable and trackable system of of improving my diet. That's excellent. Are there any other resources that you use that you found to be particularly helpful? Uh, you know, I, I never wanted to know as much about this as I do. Um, I, I did not set out for that. It, it was more of my. It was born out of my frustration with my lack of results. But um, I, I have read a number of books and talked with. Uh, I've worked with four dietitians over the course of my uh, adult life. But the one source that I found that brings all of it together most effectively is Precision Nutrition. Um, there's another guy, Alan Aragon, A R A G O N. Mm-hmm. who um, also has done extensive research, and I think he has a doctorate in some type of nutritional or dietetic work. Um, and then there are there's the uh, Harvard School of Public Health newsletter, uh, and it's driven by a lot of work that I read from the book Eat, uh, Drink, and Be Healthy by Dr. Warren Willett. Uh, and then one of my favorite books um, is actually by a physicist. And so he wrote a book, um, What If It's All Been a Big Fat, or an article, What If It's All Been a Big Fat Lie in the New York Times. Much of the research in uh, the traditional research in the world of dietetic work and nutrition was very soft science. And as an outsider, uh, he he really... Um, challenged all of it and brought a very different perspective uh, to, to the research. And his name is Gary Tobbs, I think is the pronunciation, T-A-U-B-E-S. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are a few of my sources for 
nutrition, as far as exercise. Um, I have a, a very good friend who's a personal trainer who you know keeps me on the path, but after more than 30 years of weight training, um, I've read a number of books as well. Uh, Core Performance is uh, by Mark Verstegen. is a terrific book about the style of training I do, functional training. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I recommend that to pretty much anyone. Well, it sounds like um, there is a measure of education that you really have to do if you're going to do this well. And it's not just a matter of saying, well, I'm going to eat less and I'm going to exercise more and that way things will come together for me. Well, I I agree 100%. The the notion of eating less and exercise more certainly works for a lot of people. But the challenge is that um, the ability to eat less is a, a very tricky thing because our bodies are designed to eat and to store uh, energy. And, you know, lots of people start out exercising. Walking is great exercise. But if you're trying to significantly change your body, um, you have to add resistance training. I'm a huge proponent of of doing so. As I mentioned to you earlier, I don't do a lot of the traditional, you know, running, cycling, that sort of thing. But understanding the right ways to do it, um, and there's a lot of stuff that's written on the Internet, you know, books like uh, Core Performance or, you know, in, are in that vein. These are got the author, um, he works exclusively with professional athletes in a variety of sports. He has the largest uh, NFL combine prep camp with, you know, something like uh, 50 or 60 guys who've been through it who are active in the NFL today. So I'm a huge proponent of going to the guy in a particular space, as opposed to, you know, everybody who's got a website. (laughs) Okay. What have been the biggest benefits that you have seen with regret because of your weight loss now? You know, when I go to Target, the um, in and outdoors don't both open. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Which, you know, that was um, one of my goals. But in all seriousness, you know, at at somewhere north of 350 pounds, you can't actually buy clothes. Um, You can't really fit uh, in airplane seats. And... um, Well, wait a minute. What about the big and tall stores? You know... Well, Speedway... Yes, you can go to the big and tall stores, but fashion really the big and tall stores are, are kind of a, a niche in the the, the more fashion forward clothing that that somebody might like. Um you're not gonna find there until three years after it's popular. So I, I was able to get down to a size where I could uh engage in a little uh um my, my girlfriend no longer made fun of some of the clothing choices that I made. I'll say that. Okay. Um, you know, but I feel much better. 
my knees and back and ankles don't hurt. And, um, you know, I'm able to do a lot of the things that I really enjoy without worrying about getting outside, playing a little basketball again, um, you know, that sort of thing. So it's just a, a quality of life thing. Well, listeners, I stumbled on this show topic one day when Frank and I were just catching up with each other on how life was going and so on and so forth, and I was so fascinated by his weight loss story that I asked him to do this show. And your first reaction, Frank, was what? Wow, when you first asked me to do the show, um, stark fear. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I, I was... And the objections so, so, began. What's that? And the objections began. Well, you know, there was also a concern because you are a skilled litigator, and I was afraid of being cross-examined on air. But, oh. Uh, <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, I was very flattered. Um, I've shared parts of this story with uh, my friends who have struggled with their weight, and you know, I've I've had people ask me, you know, why aren't you a personal trainer? It, you know, but I guess the the point I want to make is I am more than happy to share my insight in the hopes that people will make um, better decisions and that they won't experience nearly the frustration that I did as I pursued this goal. Well, and here's the thing. You know, most people struggle with their weight. No matter where they are right now, most people struggle with their weight. And while there are many experts out there who can wax poetic about all the things we should do, I think the lessons from average people like Frank and me tend to be the most valuable because I find that the success stories of my ordinary friends and neighbors are most persuasive to me. Frank, understanding that you're not a doctor, you're not a fitness trainer, you're not some other professional, what advice would you give someone who's trying to lose weight? You know, I recommend three things. Number one, understand why you want to lose weight. Is it for health reasons? Is it uh, for vanity? Because that, that, too, is a motivator. But really have an appreciation for what's important to you because, you know, there's always temptation. Uh, there will always be friends who want you to have another drink or to, you know, go and get a slice of pizza with them when you should you know, be eating something that, that's uh, that's healthier. And so having that, that sense of purpose and motivation will carry you through those points. Uh, number two, I would say that you need a, the process should be a gradual one. The biggest loser would have all of us believe that losing 25 pounds in a week is something that is possible for all of us. It's not. It is certainly possible for someone who is morbidly obese, uh, but it is impractical for virtually all of us who have normal lives and jobs and and that kind of thing. So um, identify the, the unhealthy habits and change them week by week with steps that you're 100% sure that you can manage. And number three is, you know, you have to educate yourself but build in a system that you can uh, follow through planning. Um, you know, on you have to appreciate if you want to eat, you know, five or six healthy meals a day, you've got to prepare 
five or six healthy meals a day. Yes. Also got to know where you can go and eat five or six healthy meals um, and have some type of accountability as part of that plan. So if it's writing down what you eat, if it's a simple chart, whatever, but make sure you have a structure to um, keep yourself on track either individually or with an accountability partner. Okay, well, my friend Frank Pollock, we wish you much success in your journey to always improving health. And, you know, to your point, as you talk about, understand why you want to lose the weight and you talk about the benefits, I find that actually those are the things that stop me from eating because my my motivator is when I get on that scale tomorrow morning, then I want it to be the best start of my day. If I get either a neutral result or a positive result, i.e., if I'm trying to lose weight, it's gone down from the day before, then it's reason to celebrate, and the whole day starts off really well. And so that that is my immediate gratification, as immediate as it gets, right? Because when you're standing there looking at that piece of pie or when you're standing there with that cupcake that keeps calling you every time you walk by it at the office, you've got to have a reason not to eat it. <laughs> and sometimes it's a challenge. And so I think you're you're absolutely right that whatever your reason is, you have to have that reason and it has to be top of mind and it has to be reason enough to motivate you to change your behavior. So with that, thank you very much for joining us on the Speedway Show. And uh, perhaps uh, if you uh, uh, would care to join us again, because I told you you have a lovely voice for radio, it would be lovely if you would join us again perhaps on another topic, yes? Well, Speedway, I am always happy to um, come on the Speedway Show. I have a face made for radio, and uh, (laughs) I... You tell me that I have a voice that's uh, good for radio, so I'm, I look forward to the next time we talk. Well, all right, Frank. Thank you very much. And listeners, this takes us to the end of our show. Join us next week for another fascinating topic. But until then, this is Thiwei saying thank you very much for joining us on the show. Go in peace and take care of your bodies. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.